everyone. Welcome to the Revolution Podcast. We're the high school ministry at the church at Rocky Peak, and we'd love for you to join us in person on Saturday nights at 530. For more info about the ministry and upcoming events, find us on Instagram at HSRevolution. We hope you enjoy this time of teaching from God's Word. Merry Christmas, Revolution! I do have to say, you guys really like dress up nicely. Like you guys look great when you uh, you know put effort in. Uh, just kidding. I'm just messing with you guys, except for a couple of the guys. Um, I'm so glad that you guys are here. We, man, we are celebrating. Christmas today and this whole month. We've been in this series that we started last week called The Promise, where we're looking at at what makes Christmas worth being excited for, right? We talked about last week how there are all the different things about Christmas that are fun and exciting and that we look forward to and that we, uh, when it starts changing seasons and when the music starts playing and when the lights start going up, all these different reasons, some from childhood, some things we're looking forward to this year that we start getting excited about Christmas. But what we're doing in this series is we're going back to to what God promised before Christmas happened to look at what Christmas is all about. And to really help us to be excited, as excited as people would have been beforehand for the event, to try to understand what is it that people were waiting for, what is it that happened at Christmas that makes it so 2,000 years, something that happened 2,000 years ago, that 2,000 years later, that that now the, the world stops, the world changes, decorations go up, music changes, the economy rolls over in a totally different way, what is it? that happened that makes Christmas so important. And so last week we, we talked about and we looked at uh, the very beginning of the story with Adam and Eve. Because in order to understand the importance of Christmas, we had to go all the way back to the beginning. That God created humanity to be in relationship with him. That he put them in the garden uh, as a a place that he could walk with them and be close to them. uh, And that things were perfect. And yet he, he gave them a choice as a way to express either their love and trust for him or to put their own selfish ideas of what would be good ahead. And we saw that, that they chose to do what was wrong. They chose to rebel against God and to choose what made sense to them instead of what he had called them to do. And we looked at the, the impact that that has. Right? In that passage in Genesis 3, God lays out for them some of the outcome of their decision. Right? That that when it comes to having, having children, that there would be, it would be a painful process to give birth to children and to raise children. That when it comes to the relationship at, at home between a husband and wife, that there would be uh, difficulty and tension and power dynamics at play where it was supposed to be a partnership of working together. That when it comes to, to work, which God designed to be satisfying and impactful, that instead it became difficult and hard and sweat-inducing. And that ultimately, that not just the two individuals who rebelled against God, but that all of creation would experience death because imperfection had made its way into God's perfect world. And so what we see, and is a fill-in on the note sheets that are there at your table, probably underneath some icing somewhere, it, (laughs) freshman guys are like, "Uh, we use that for structural support? The first thing that we see that's a fill-in there is that the result 
of sin is suffering. The result of sin is suffering. That God had made the world perfect and to run a certain way, but that by, by his representatives, by humanity rebelling against him, we introduced imperfection that results in suffering. And we see that in our own lives too. We know what it's like to suffer when someone else sins against us, when someone else does something that's wrong, that impacts us, that causes suffering in our life. We also know what it's like to make a decision that seems right to us in the moment, even if we have an idea that maybe it's not Maybe not something that everyone would say is good. Maybe it's not something that God says is good, but it seems good to me right now. And we know what it's like to have that backfire on us, right? To have a decision that we make cause a breakdown in a relationship or to suffer under the embarrassment of something coming out that we didn't think would come out. We know what it's like to suffer because of our own decisions as well. And then a lot of us know just what it's like to suffer in a broken world to have our bodies not work right, to have our minds not work right, or to have someone close to us go through something difficult because the world is no longer perfect, that all through history and in our own lives, we can see that the impact of that decision made thousands of years ago and the impact of our own sinful decisions is suffering. And yet, We also saw last week that even in the beginning of that being unpacked, even in the beginning of Adam and Eve being given an answer of, hey, hey, this is what's going to happen as a result of what you've done. Here's the impact that God promised a solution. That's the second thing on your notes there. And it's a very important thing that, that God promised that there would be a solution to the problem of sin. And that that would come with the birth of a son, a king who would come to undo the wrong that had been done, who would ransom those taken captive by sin, someone who would come to fix the wrong. It would all start with a birth announced by angels to shepherds. Hope would come, the Lord himself wrapped in baby's clothing, the king of Israel born in a barn that God promised that someone would come to be born to fix the problem that we are a part of. And so what we're going to do, just even to, to help us remember that story more fully and to step into those shoes, we're going to stop this time right now and just sing one more song together that celebrates that, that birth of Jesus. We're going to sing a song uh, called The First Noel. And a lot of times we think of the word Noel as meaning just Christmas. But Noel, the, the root for that is actually to be born. It's, the, it's about birth. And we call it the first Noel, not because Jesus was the first person to ever be born, but because that moment was so earth-shaking and changed history so dramatically that it's, a, it's about the birth of that promised king. And so if you would stand with me, we're going to sing this song together. The last verse in the song that we just sang uh, is a little bit of a pivot from the Christmas story that we normally think about. A lot of times we think about Christmas and we think about a, a young, innocent baby Jesus in what is usually painted for us, a, a nice, calm night in a, the nicest looking, cleanest barn that you've ever seen in your life. Uh, and we think of this kind of this moment of a family starting and it seems peaceful, but, but over the story of Christmas, 
hangs an eventual point in the story that it's going to get to, a point that, that influences why Christmas is so important. And it's, it's mentioned in the last half of that verse when it says that, that he who made heaven and earth of naught from nothing, that the God who made everything, that with his blood, mankind he bought. That Jesus came to buy us back from our decisions and the decisions made through the ages that have colored this earth, that have brought suffering in, that Jesus came as a baby to suffer in our place. God knew ahead of time that the suffering of sin could only be undone by the suffering of Jesus. And he made that promise to us well before Jesus ever came. In Isaiah 55, it's a, a chapter that we're going to look at today, talking about this one who would come to set things right. And so we're going to start in Isaiah 53. We're going to read the whole chapter, but it's just a quick 12 verses. But watch how detailed it pictures what Jesus would come and do for us. It says, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is this title for one who would come and change the path of history. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, right? Like a part of a, of a branch, that like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and there's nothing about him that makes him a handsome man that others would want to gather around and follow and crown as a king. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, but we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. And true enough, even though this is written hundreds of years before Jesus came, when he was put to death for our sin on a cross, there were not great celebrations of his brave sacrifice on our behalf, but instead the crowds gathered and saw him as one who must have been cursed who God was punishing. And it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, our wrongdoing. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. All of us have made decisions that seem good to us that we know are not right. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, our sin, our wrongdoing. He has oppressed and or he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. Jesus died with two evil people beside him. And with 
the rich in his death. The tomb that he was laid in actually belonged to a rich man who gave it for that reason. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And so God knew ahead of time what the price would be in order to take care of suffering, in order for our suffering to be removed, in order for the penalty for our sin to no longer count against us, in order for this world to be made right and for one day all evil to cease. Jesus would have to come and step in to our place. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus came to suffer in our place. Christmas is about the ultimate gift that God would give us himself to step in our gap. It says there in Isaiah that it was the Lord's will to crush him, right? which is an amazing passage even to think that God would allow one righteous person to step into the gap for many people, but then to know that the one who God willed to crush was himself, to know that through the lens of Jesus that the one being talked about there is the creator of the universe, who is the one who set everything into motion, who was there in the beginning, who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, who was there and protected Israel as they crossed through the Red Sea, that that mighty God would step down as a baby, would suffer what it means to be human, would suffer the humiliation of being cared for, would suffer being rejected by people he was close to growing up, his own family calling him crazy to have his people turn their back on him, to have his close friends, all but one, run away from him at the end, and to die a gruesome, difficult, terrible death for our sake. That the result of sin is suffering, and yet Jesus steps in our place for that. And so the reason that we have to celebrate Christmas is because someone cared about us enough to rescue us when we didn't deserve it. There wasn't a fantastic reason. There wasn't something we did to earn his approval that he chose to step in and take what we deserve. I'm going to pray for us. I want to sing two more songs to worship and thank Jesus for this amazing gift that he's given us, that he loved us so much. This is the reason that Christmas has been so earth-shaking and has shaped history. is because someone has come offering and promising hope that the suffering in this world is not the end of the story, that evil will not have the last say. 
that instead someone came and stepped into the gap for you and I. Jesus, we thank you for coming to, to step into our place, to, for coming at, at Christmas. Jesus, for being born and taking our suffering on your shoulders. Now we confess the truth in 2 Corinthians. God, that, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that evil is not the end. We thank you for the truth that you came to do what we couldn't do. We thank you that that peaceful scene of your birth, God, that that comes as a lead up to you stepping in, in our place, being the sacrifice that we couldn't be and rising to new life and inviting us to live that life with you. And I pray, Lord, that that would stay front of our mind this Christmas season, that when we go through difficult days, when we have hard days, when we're feeling maybe a little bit down, depressed, haggard, God, even as we're celebrating and experiencing the joy, would we have in the front of our mind that we have a reason to be joyful because someone saw us and decided to step into our place and that you're calling us into a relationship of love with you because of that. In Jesus' name, amen.